2019 trad quest what's going on bob oh not much that's right it is probably our first one we've done this year huh that's right yeah january 9th we're slackers man we've been busy lately yeah i mean it's a busy time of year yeah you got an elk tag so yeah you're killing our schedule out hunting all the dang time <laughs> yeah having fun doing it yep 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 so. yep so yeah, we'll we'll get into the the elk hunting uh, a little little later, maybe when the hunt's over. But I'm having fun doing it. Um, we have been just doing a lot of talking about 2019, you know, planning our hunts and really evaluating the podcast and where it's going. Um, you know, we we've been at this now for a year and a half, and it's. It's been a ton of fun. We've met a ton of great guys, um, and we're really trying to make a difference. And that's that's the reason why we're doing this podcast is to make a difference. Um, I think mentorship is a huge thing in exposing guys in traditional archery, um, even guys that have been doing it a while, just getting them hooked up with other guys. And we've been doing a lot of that in the background. Uh, creating um, mentorship for guys in different states just through our connections, um, you know, and bringing on legends and, you know, hard to find guys and getting the information out there. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the, you know, the tr- traditional seasons? That's something we're really passionate about and we've been working hard at that. Yep, for sure. Um, you know, I think that's kind of been one of our goals from the beginning, James, that's how you got into it was through one of our traditional seasons here in Oregon. And, uh, you know, we've been involved with the traditional archers of Oregon for quite a while. And we've both been super passionate when we go to the business meetings every year at the banquet and trying to get more, you know, get them involved and get some more hunts. And so we've, uh, finally kind of stepped up in the last year or so. We got a new president, Riley Savage, who's, killing it and what a uh, stud yes he's uh he's organized a lot of good stuff for us and we're putting together a heck of a good proposal that i think we're gonna we're gonna make some changes hopefully you know we can't uh, we can't get our hopes up too much because we know it's a long political battle but uh 
hopefully we can make a difference. That's kind of our goal is to, uh, that's why we started doing some of these making bow hunting better episodes. And we're definitely going to try to bring you guys a lot more of those in the new year coming up. It's, uh, we love doing this. It's just a time thing. You know, it's, we take a lot of time off hunting every fall, like most of our listeners and it's hard to come back and then start jamming out a million podcasts and have your family not, yeah, not be very you know, angry. So you know, Bob, I I don't think guys realize the time that it takes um, to find these guys, to research them, to get a get them on the phone, to get get to know them first. I mean, we don't want to just go willy nilly and get a guy on the phone and do a podcast. We we really have to get to know these guys and uh, kind of form a, a relationship with them. And we got to line up their schedule with your schedule, with my schedule, which is always crazy. <laughs> yeah. And we put in a ton of work. There's editing, uh, social media. There's a ton of work. I mean, a two-hour podcast with three hours of editing, with all the footwork. I mean, it's it's like 10 hours per podcast to get these out to you guys. And we love it. That's what we're saying. Like, we love it. And we want to continue to do it. But reality Reality is we've sunk in thousands, thousands of dollars, people, thousands <laughs> of dollars. This is no kidding. With equipment, I'm not even talking time. We're talking yeah. hard-earned cash that we could be going hunting, but we, we want to spread the love. But we've come to a point where we're trying to figure out how are we going to continue to do this? You know, what is our direction? And we listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh, some of them bow hunting related, some of them not. I love podcasts. And there's a lot of different ways guys have found to fund their podcast. And sponsorships, I, we just don't really want to be tied to just one company. And we don't really want to have to run commercials. And, you know, you guys don't want to hear commercials. I don't want to listen to commercials when I hear podcasts. I skip through them. So, you know, we've just been trying to figure out a way that we can monetize this. I mean, we have jobs. We're not, uh, we're not trying to live off the podcast by no means, but man, we've, we've got to be able to take care of, uh, our finances here. It costs us monthly to put these out for our hosting and our website. And we want to create better content for you guys. And we go to these shows. To, to uh, get content and we want to go to more of these shows and we just want to really spread the word. So tell them, you know, kind of what we've come up with, Bob. So yeah, we've, uh, we've decided that uh, we're going to do more of a donation type. So we have on our website, we have a donation page. If you just go in there and, and uh, you'll see it on there. It's, we had a shop page, a home page, a donate page, and you can get on there. And if you guys uh, really appreciate the podcast, you can go on there. It's through PayPal, so it's all secured. And you can donate monthly if you want, 5 bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. We appreciate it. And uh, we also started a Patreon page. So it's uh, patreon.com backslash tradquest. And, um, we put three tiers on there. It's kind of how they do a lot of those. And, um, basically if you are one of our supporters, 
you're going to be the ones entered in our giveaways. We've been doing all these giveaways. You know, traditional archery has a lot of small family owned businesses and they all want to, they all love what we're doing and everybody wants to help out, but it's hard for them to financially, you know, support us. Bunch of one man shops, one woman shops also. So yeah, absolutely. They all, they all love helping us and get hooking us up with product. So, um, we can start and, using those to drive some of you guys to uh, helping us out. It's going to work yeah, good, we think. Maybe. Yeah, we want to we take those products and give them to you guys. Um, so that's that's kind of the idea is, we got a, like he said, we've got a lot of guys that want to help out and gals, and it's such an awesome uh, community we're involved in. And we don't want to just be tied to – uh, one guy or that guy, I mean, you know, we have our friends that we're always going to be talking about, uh, who help us out a ton. Um, uh, yeah. but we, they're all our friends and we want to help everybody out and we want to be able to help you guys out. And come on guys, I know you guys are buying $5 coffees or $5 cans of chew or $5 energy drinks or, <laughs> or, uh, lunches. I mean, you guys can go, uh, throw five bucks at us. Um, and it'll go a long way. I mean, we're not asking you guys to pay our bills. We want to create better content for you. And in return, uh, we're not going to do these giveaways so we can get likes on, on the social media or to up. We know who our listeners are. We appreciate you guys. You've been super supportive. Um, so if you guys could give back a little bit to the podcast, we're going to take it and give back to you guys. And we're going to do some really cool giveaways. Um, I mean, we've got uh, the first giveaway is epic. It's yep. epic. Uh, yeah. Tell them about it, Bob. So we got uh, our friends over at Bear Archery. They've uh, been super awesome to us, and they donated a uh, couple bows. We're going to give one away for you guys to uh, help support us. We're going to give away a super Kodiak Black Beauty. So thanks, Bear Archery, for donating that. Do you, what were the specs on that, James? It's uh, I think it's fifty. I think it's fifty at twenty-eight. Uh, okay, it's a perfect. beautiful, beautiful limited edition Black Beauty Super Kodiak. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And we're gonna match up a uh, Great Northern Quiver. Um, you know those quivers are hard to beat. Me and Bob both run those quivers. We love them. Um, yeah. we're gonna put a put a what what else is gonna go on there, Bob? Yeah, uh, Andy, Andy's gonna donate us some arrows, so he'll, uh, make you guys some beautiful arrows. Sherwood will donate the shafts, so yeah, thanks for, uh, Bob over at Great Northern for hooking us up with a quiver. And Andy at Addictive Archery and Sherwood shafts, so it's gonna yeah. be a full setup. It's full setup, over thousand uh, dollars or more worth yeah. of goods, right there. Yeah, yeah, it's going to have the arrows, the quiver, the bow, uh, probably an arm guard and a tab or a glove. I mean, the full meal deal, uh, ready to go. Like Bob said, over a thousand dollars. Super awesome setup. And those guys that donate to us, we're going to take those names and we're going to do a drawing. Uh, when are we going to do that, Bob? I don't know. I guess we never even talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just get maybe, on there and donate. We'll let you know on the next podcast when we're going yeah, to uh, do the yeah, drawing. We'll, yeah, we'll work that out. Um, but, yeah, get on there and donate. And, 
You know, if you can only afford to give five bucks, hey man, that'll, that'll go a long ways for us. If, if, yeah. uh, you can afford to skip coffee, coffee day, like not have coffee for twice a week, uh, throw us 20 bucks. I mean, whatever you guys can afford to do, uh, we promise we will take those donations and we'll put it back into the podcast and we'll get you better content yeah. and more giveaways. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. If, if all of you listeners donated a dollar a podcast you listen to, We'd be able to travel all over and do these in person. So we're not asking for much, and uh, we're going to help you guys out by giving away some sweet bows. Yep, and we've got more bows from other boyers lined up, uh, more quivers from other other quiver companies, arrows, um, all kinds of cool stuff lined up to give back to you guys. So, you know, I hate... It was almost weird for me and Bob to to go out there and ask for someone to donate to us, yeah, but it is. this it's is going to be just regular guys. We don't like we don't like doing yeah. That. Like when I called Bob about the quivers, it was awesome because he's just like, "Heck yeah, whatever you guys need." I was like, "I feel really weird calling and asking for anything," and it's the same thing with Bear. Like, like every everybody in this community is so awesome. So yeah, it is, and they've reached out. Most of them have reached out to us wanting to help. Because as anyone knows, when you put a, if you start taking your time away and your money away towards something, uh, eventually, you know, you've got to find a way for it to pay for itself. And that's really all, that's our only expectation is that this thing can pay for itself and that we can take it to the next level. And it's not just about podcasts, as we've alluded to before. Uh, we have bigger plans and it's not just for the state of Oregon. It's not just for the West. There's a lot of things already that we can't really get into now that are already rolling. They're already in play that we are putting together for traditional archery. Yep. And we just need a little bit of funding so we can make these dreams a reality for our whole community. For sure. So, so with that, you're probably going to hear us talk a little bit about that. Yeah. But you're not going to get a bunch of commercials. Um, exactly. we, we want to keep it uh, authentic, organic, and uh, keep it about trad bow hunting. Amen. And on another note, I think we covered that pretty good. If you guys yeah. uh, have any questions, make sure to shoot us an email or get a hold of us on Instagram or anything. Hopefully that was clear enough. So if you get on there and donate to uh, TradQuest, go on patreon.com backslash TradQuest or just go on tradquest.com and hit the donate page and uh, you're going to get entered in to win that black beauty from bear archery and uh, great northern quivers and addictive archery all those guys man we can't thank you guys enough so yeah on another note arizona draws are coming up and wyoming so if you guys are uh, thinking about elk hunting i hunted one of the supposedly crappiest units in Arizona last year and it was ridiculous and I hunted another one of the crappy units 10 years ago or 12 years ago and it was awesome so if any of you guys have never hunted Arizona it is a little bit different than hunting everywhere else even the crappy units that they say are crappy because they don't have 400 inch bulls running around are awesome so and for the folks who don't realize, some of us Western guys, if he says it's ridiculous, that means it's ridiculously 
good. Ridiculously yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was fun for sure. The, the elk, the bull to cow ratios in Arizona are just beyond what they are anywhere else, anywhere, even Nevada. I mean, they're just ridiculously Elk just bugle like crazy there. Yeah, I was gonna say. So nuts, man. When you have it is so uh, nuts. I probably heard more bugles last, you know, in that two weeks or what. I don't remember how long it took me to kill an elk there. A while, but uh, in those two weeks I was in Arizona, I heard more elk bugle than I've heard probably my whole life in Oregon. So, anyway, and it was a drought year. It was a crappy year. It was blah 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 blah. So speaking of Oregon, yeah, yeah, yeah. February 10th is the deadline for spring bear in Oregon. We've got a bunch of units you can apply for. Southwest is now a controlled hunt for the folks that want to hunt Southwest. That's the whole Southwest side of the state. Um, our spring bear hunts run May 1st through the end of April. Um, I think even the out of state guys have a good shot at drawing the Southwest tag because there's thousands of tags. Um, so if you guys want to hunt spring bears, it's a good thing, you know, to get out and stretch your legs and you don't have to worry about snow over here on the west side of the state, but you got snow, I think, melting off over there and some of those tags might be harder to get. But for guys that are wanting to hunt bears in the spring, February 10th is the deadline for the draw. So make sure you guys put in for that. I'm looking forward to a spring bear. I was talking to my hunt partner, Joaquin, today, and we're plotting and scheming on a spring bear hunt. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Heck, yeah. Um, what else do we got on the docket? Uh, uh, we got Hunt the Sun. Tickets still available? Yep, yep. The TAO Banquet's coming up. That's the Traditional Archers of Oregon Banquet, February 2nd. So if you guys are anywhere in the Northwest, go to their website. I think they're making a new website right now and they're going to launch it at the banquet. But for right now, you have to actually go on there, print out a piece of paper, <laughs> write a check and mail it off to register. So I would go on the website, get Riley Savage's phone number, the president and just call him and tell him you want the banquet and make him fix it. So anyway, and are we still selling the tickets yep. on our website? Right, com. go to our shops page and, uh, Africa Safari raffle tickets. You do not have to be present at the banquet to win. They're $20 a piece. You can go on there right now, buy yourself a raffle ticket. We haven't been selling many of them. Uh, TAO and us. Um, I guess most guys don't want to go on Africa anymore. It's kind of weird, but. Yeah. But if you do. If you do, uh, you some, got a heck of some... a good chance to, uh, get most of it paid for. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a once in a lifetime deal, so. Also, I want to make a shout out. I've been getting a bunch of private messages. Guys know that we're big wood arrow shooters and there's a lot of like myths out there about wood arrows and guys are trying to figure that out. Um, Andy Ponce, addictive archery has YouTube channel. He goes through on how to make them. A lot of good information there. Um, We're big advocates for Sherwood shafts. And if you want to know more about Sherwood shafts, Andy can really walk you through it. So can the boys at Sherwood Shafts. Speaking of Sherwood Shafts, Carson Brown, our brother from another mother at Echo Archery. He does a self-bow class. I did it last winter. Tons of fun. Made an awesome self-bow. Can't wait to do it again. You don't just make a bow in four days, but you learn how to make a bow. So you, yeah. you take a skill set with you 
and it's like less than 600 bucks or something and you leave with a bow made from a grade A stave and you learn with the skill set. And then he puts these classes on three or four times a year. Check them out at Echo Archery. If you guys have ever inspired to make a self-bow and you want to learn uh, the skill set, get a hold of Carson. He's the man. He'll probably you know, even help you out if you're trying to do it at home or whatever. But taking his class will get you light years ahead. So definitely check him out. Yeah, for sure. So not to drag on forever for our intro. So let's get. Let's get it going here. Yeah, who, so who do we got on tonight, buddy? Oh dude, I'm shaking in my boots out of <laughs> excitement. One of my favorite podcasts. Uh, you know, definitely in in the top five. Uh one of our favorite dudes, the original gangster himself. Go ahead, Bob. You can do it. Yeah, Dick Robertson. Booyah. Booyah. Dick Robertson. And we're also gonna we also have Yote Robertson on here, the the great white sheep hunter himself. So we're going to try to do all four of us at once here so we can maybe get them talking back and forth. We figured that would be pretty fun. Um, they had an epic hunt this fall that we'll get into here on this podcast. So hopefully we're not tripping over each other. Like I said, if you uh, deadbeats want some of these done in person, then just get on there and donate us some money, and then we won't be tripping over each other. So hopefully we can uh, pull this one off, but we are pumped to have these guys on. They are uh, hard workers. Dick is always slaving away in his shop, and Yote is always out hunting. So <laughs> we're, we, it took us a while to get them lined up again. We know you guys have been hounding us to get them on, so let's do it. Yeah, yeah. so we are pleasure of ours to uh, bring these guys back on. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, this is Dick. We appreciate you guys coming on here. I know uh, you guys are busy traveling the world and building bows, so uh, we'll just get going. Hey, Dick, I uh, noticed uh, new for 2019, you're putting pierce points back in the bows. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've done it, but I don't know. needed to do something to get my mind working again. <laughs> uh, I'm drooling on them. They look good. I've seen them on Instagram. That bull bolt uh, Debo with the with the pierce points, gorgeous. Yeah, I'm just kind of getting them dialed in. Uh, Jerry Pierce, of course, he's the one that started those first guy to do it, and basically he was um, trying to make inch boards work, so he run a finger joint bit and joined these two boards that way. And then when he saw that pattern, he just started putting the different colors and stuff in there. But his were just straight down the riser, and the only place you saw them was in the sight window. Where when I started doing it, I had a long bow, and, you know, you don't, you know, it's not going to show up. So I had to figure out how to put that in there at an offset to where it all showed up in all four coordinates of the handle above the leather. Well, right now I'm not quite to that point, but next bowl I will be. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing those with the the wolfers and your fatal sticks also? Yeah, I can do it with, uh, well, I'm not going to do it with the fatal stick, but the wolfer three, the three-piece wolfer, I could do it pretty easy there. And uh, the um, wolfer, the koi wolf, and then, of course, the, the longbows, take down or not. 
Well, the the Wolfer was good to Bob this uh, last season. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you put some good mojo in that one. I really appreciated it. Uh, shot really well, and I had uh, we had a three D shoot down here, and we shot with Larry D. Jones, and I'm sure you guys know who that is. And I had him kiss it for good luck at the end of the shoot, and hey, it worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure glad it didn't break when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, I was shooting a, a blacktail before that, a big, long 66-inch blacktail, and uh, and it and it shot really well. But this bow, it's kind of like, I feel more like an Indian. It might sound weird out there, but it's shorter. It's a little less of a recurve. I just, it just, the feel's a little better. So, anyway. Well, I... I... I can't remember the guy that did the painting, but uh, there's a guy where these two Indians have a wolf hide that they're have draped over top of them, and they're sneaking up on some buffalo. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of what I was going for is to for you to be able to shoot like those guys. Yeah. Well, it worked. It worked. That's for sure. And and the. Oh, three- congratulations! You did a good job. Two bull elk in one year. That's unbelievable. Yeah. With traditional yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, that bow has juniper limbs, and he was hunting in juniper country, which who would have thought? I mean, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very uh, cool. It, it was awesome for sure. And you guys, now you're building a, a three-piece. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. I don't think those were out yet when we did our last podcast. Well, basically... The most popular bows the whole time I've been building bows, 40 years or whatever, has been a three-piece takedown to where guys can get that bow and change limbs. You know, you can get a bow for a 12-year-old and you'll still be able to shoot it later with some heavier limbs. So they're always the most popular. So I wanted to bring that same concept that the Wolfer had with the offset handle into a minimalistic little three-piece bow that's, that that's the same features as like your normal wolfer or whatever, same handle, everything. So anyway, no, not many people know about it. I haven't pushed them. I haven't got out there and let people know, but it's because I've been having so much fun building a lot of longbows. <laughs> hey, well, it's a you. sweet little bow because you. Well, yeah, the wolfer three you can put the the hybrid limb longbow limb on there makes a pretty neat bow too. So it's. Pretty versatile. Oh, so when you guys build a riser, you can put the the longbow or the the recurve limbs on there. Yeah, the wolfer limbs will fit on there, and the koi wolf limbs will fit on there. Oh wow! On the wolfer three. Very cool. What what is uh, Doug Orland shooting? Doug just a shooting. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Sixty four inch longbow, probably fifty pounds right now. Okay, when I talked to him last, he said you'd send him a recurve, and he was playing with that, so I didn't know if he hunted with that or not. It didn't work out for him. I mean, you get us old-timers that all we've had is a broom handle on our hands. It's hard to get comfortable with something comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I... That's funny because I, in my uh, uh, traditional archery, I keep, I went from a recurve to a hybrid longbow 
Now I'm shooting a more traditional D-shaped bow. I just keep working my way that way, and I'm trying to get into self-bows because I know those are the king. Well, yeah, you got to build your own self-bow. That's where you're going to end up, you know. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, and that's, you know, once you kill yeah. something with that, it's going to be the best reward there is. Uh, you know, when I first started building bows, I wasn't building laminated bows. I was trying to build self-bows so I could make more of a challenge you know i had montana the whole state to myself to bow hunt so it's pretty easy to fill your tanks that has changed a lot in 40 years or 50 years so yeah, yeah. is it getting is it getting crowded i've never hunted montana is montana getting crowded like it is out here in oregon oh it's yeah crowded. yeah i don't know numbers wise where we're at but i think it's about fifty thousand. but you it's tough i mean like for me to invite somebody out elk hunting which i'd love to do I can either take them to a crowded spot that's been discovered and, you know, try and get back in a little deeper and push a little harder uh, or, you know, tell them to just go ahead and, you know, lease some land. I mean, that's where the best hunting is, is on the stuff that's leased up by the outfitters. But, yeah, it's 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 bad. And, you know, we went from a either sex, either species deer tag, and then a either sex elk tag 20 years ago statewide to where it's like you got to put it in here and you got to put it in there and, you know, you got to go by a lot of restrictions. There's so many people in it now. Yeah, I know they're right now in Colorado, they're uh, kind of flipping out there because Colorado Parks and Wildlife are throwing out some ideas about, uh, you know, getting rid of their general general elk in areas or capping the tags or even shortening the seasons and and they got a lot of they're they're flipping out because there was i think forty eight thousand archery elk hunters in colorado last year yeah yeah that doesn't surprise me at all um and the other thing is that uh, clay hayes put it on the internet but i read it a couple years prior to that and it's been in the last five or six years that the idaho fish and game department has done a real thorough study of the success rates from like 20, 30, 40 years ago mm-hmm. of different types of equipment, puzzle loaders, rifles, and archery equipment. And it is pretty devastating. It's like when it starts out, there's like 3 or 4% success rate. And it gets to where it's, it's right up there with the muzzle loaders and the rifle permits. So, you know, we're having an impact, and, and you're going to get restrictions somehow. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather see them restrict technology than just throw us all into one lump sum. But, you know, as traditional bow hunters, we're politically correct because <laughs> we're afraid to say anything. Well, we're trying to change that, Dick. We're we're trying to make that different now. So we're doing our best, but we sometimes feel like we're out there on our own for sure. But uh, I think I think we're making some waves, that's for sure. So there's a there's a lot of lip service, but not a lot of footwork going on, and and we're trying we're trying to get our boots laced up and put some footwork in. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of challenge, um, you guys went on your uh, what is it kind of like a semi annual sheep hunt anymore? You guys went back up there this year, and it sounded like one heck of a hunt. You guys had some weather issues and. And uh, bow hunting doll sheep, it's funny, you know, me and James listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's some Alaska guys, and, you know, there's a bunch of podcasts out there anymore, and, and you listen to some of these guys, and they talk about sheep hunting, 
and they're and they just you know they've killed a bunch of them with rifles and they 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 talk like killing one with a bow especially like a longbow is impossible and then i uh we talk to you guys and you guys go up there and and seem to do it every time you go which is just amazing when people talk about it being impossible so sounds like that's the ultimate challenge um maybe you guys could just kind of go over how the hunt went this year yeah and if you guys could both kind of take turns filling us in how it goes we got yod on here also if you guys didn't notice um yeah we're really looking forward to hearing how it uh, how it went go ahead yod start her out well uh First off, we we our flight from Fairbanks to our landing spot, we didn't die. So, <laughs> we well, that's a great start. We, a great well, we start. never know really where we're going to land. So, and and sometimes they haven't really landed where they're going to land us, right? So, I mean, so once you're there, um, it's all awesome. Until the snow mosquitoes start, and this we're talking about a mosquito that is not not like any known to man. There's there's like thousands of them, and they're snow mosquitoes because if you look at your buddy's back, he's covered in them. And it looks like there's snow on his back. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other thing is they can survive in the the high elevation. The best way to get away from them is find a glacier or something to get on and get to the middle of it. And that's where you get away from the snow mosquitoes. So once we learned that, and then everything was better once you got figured out how to, how to get away from the snow mosquitoes. And one of the best ways is just to keep going so that they're, they're kind of flying behind you. So you got to cover this, this, pile of country and once you do you, you end up running into some sheep so uh, in in the end it was probably better so do you find yourself looking back all the time waiting for not that dick's dick and doug are old anymore but uh do you find yourself saying come on let's go let's go these mosquitoes are eating me no because i'm i'm doing like more trips than they are back and forth <laughs> see <laughs> I see. Are you giving them piggyback rides, Yo? I was wondering how they were still doing no, this. This is making sense. No, now. haven't got it. You haven't got it done yet. No, Joe and I did a lot of. I don't know what I hate it. Whatever you call that, shuttling. We shuttled a lot of stuff. We we shuttled a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, but, Joe, I mean, it's all, was prepared it's all, to, to bring along enough cordage to make what I dubbed. The Cottonwood Maiden. And if you read history about Lewis and Clark, they brought a metal boat up to, and got to Great Falls and pretty much the thing sunk because it, you know, didn't work. And I forget which one of them was really disappointed. And so Yoke's down there and he spent almost all day putting it together and it didn't work really good. But then he finally got it figured out to where it worked great and it's even still hit us. So it's, uh, Got what? Two tires and about twenty pounds of baling twine on it. No, okay, you gotta ixnay that stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's hit anywhere. <laughs> no. Nothing's hit anywhere. Uh, but you yeah. guys had some weather, right? You didn't you have some high water? 
Wow, did we have high water this this go around? What what we had mainly was the snowfield, like right where we landed. Uh, oh well, yeah, there was a snowfield we had to cross. It was probably a mile, mile and a half, and then all the different drainages went up in the bottom where you could, you know, you typically go up the bottoms of the drainage. There was a lot of snow still left, and uh, it made it a little more difficult. But yeah, it was cold. I mean, it was. It was, we normally get some weather where it's like, uh, you know, Sundays, and you can almost get down to your skivvies or whatever, but we didn't get, I didn't get down to a t-shirt on this trip. I also bought a a lighter bag, a three-pound bag instead of a five-pound bag, and I'm taking the five-pound bag again next time. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? Well, it snowed, it snowed on us the first night. I mean, we did get weather. It, it snowed on us the first first inside, so we were there, hunkered down for a day or two, going in. So we did get that weather, and I don't think it snowed again, but it stayed pretty fairly cool up higher. But we, it wasn't. It definitely was a colder, colder year. But one of the most notable things on this this one is when we were in that first base camp that I could get that. Um, what do you call it? The maiden something? When I could get that cart to that cottonwood maiden. Anyway, the the place that I could get that to where we were camped when we got snowed in there, the like the last night we spent there, we're all in our separate little tents, right? And I think one of us had a pistol maybe, but all we got is our bows and I, they're not even put together. Mine's not, I know it isn't. And then I, but I have like a flare gun, I think. And maybe some cheap ass pepper spray. And well, no, I have this gel stuff, which is kind of cool when I shot it off. That might be notable. Um, try the gel <laughs> stuff. It's fun to shoot anyway. The expensive one shot deal, like 40 bucks, but wow. be worth trying it. Um, but you could aim that. I just, and it's not going to blow back in your face, you know, if the bear's going to eat you. But anyway, so that's in my tent somewhere. And I, I got my flare gun in my tent somewhere. And I'm sleeping. I mean, it's like middle of the night, like 4 a.m. or something. You could actually look it up on Google, I'm sure, to figure this out. But anyway, all of a sudden, the I woke up because my tent's shaking and something's getting me. I'm like, oh, he finally got me. He found me. He finally found me. And I'm like, where's my flare gun? What? Why? I don't hurt. I don't feel any pain. Where is my flare gun? Where? Why? Okay. And then it's like it's pauses for a second and i get to looking around i'm like the tent's not tore i'm not bit what what and then it starts happening again and i'm looking and i'm like okay and then i hear dad yell i don't know what he yells but there's a yell "Ah!" you know and then that's all i hear but then anyway it's like it nothing happens again and i'm like looking and then i think holy shit that was an earthquake some kind of earthquake happened i'm like all right well no bear, I'm going to go back to sleep, you know. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and I think Dad has a similar thought the bear was getting him or something. I don't know. but Well, um, luckily, anyway. I spent most of it. And uh, it, it ended up, we found out later, it was like one of the largest earthquakes in Alaska in, I don't know, all time or whatever. Wow. And it that was, far uh, north. The epicenter the epic being that far north. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. 
<laughs> it didn't get us, and I wasn't really that scared. Well, that's a good place to be in an earthquake out in the middle of nowhere. Nothing's going to fall on you, right? Right. Yeah. That's awesome. But, so that yeah, was... there was no real evidence that rocks fell or anything, though. Huh. You know, there wasn't a lot of evidence of any of that kind of. Did Doug yeah. sleep through it? No, he, he knew there was something. I think he just knew what it was and went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, his first earthquake. <laughs> yeah. Typical Doug. No big deal. Just no big an earthquake. Deal. I don't know. So how yeah, many days did think... it take from you guys to get where they dropped you off to where where your good sheep hunting country was? Uh, Please stop. Yeah, we, had, we had to stop a couple of days because of the weather. Like, yeah, um, man, and then it was. So we were we were kind of where we wanted to be for opening day. We know we were packed. Hello, I can we hear you, Doug. We lost Yoke for a second. Maybe he'll come back. Here. Okay. Um, what yeah, was I you in my you? phone? How's that? Yeah, no, you're back. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll like to say, Yote and Joe a lot of times will shuttle and take an extra load, and we'll go three miles, four miles, five miles, and and stop, you know, and then the next day do the same thing. But uh, we also, you know, fish. We eat a lot of Arctic chars. The fishing is fabulous, especially below what we call uh, Portage, where it's a falls and they can't get by. Um, but we take our time getting in there but it's like we almost took too much time this time because i think it was the seventh day before we got to the the better sheep pumping but bear in mind because we have Doug Gordon with us that uh you got to get to that spot where him and jay did 30 35 years ago and hunt out of there or it's, or it's not a sheep pump so you got to go 20 <laughs> miles you can't stop at 10 <laughs> The, the heck the heck with all these sheep. We need to go get to these other sheep. You guys just bypass some sheep country to get to the the holy ground, right? The holy ground. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But there was but somebody flew in and beat us this year and, and blasted one before we could get there. So Uh-oh. um Yeah. And that was probably a pretty easy little one. That's kinda what I'm trying to get in there for is the first easy little one that's in some of that. And it is it is prime time to be at because it's it's just one of them places where there might be a good low one. <laughs> but there's there's a little it's a lot rougher country down lower. You know, it's like the upper country. You could stay in a creek bottom and move four, five, six miles a day and glass out of there, or you can climb to the top of a mountain in a couple area hours. Where that lower stuff, it's rugged in both. I think Joe and Joe killed rams in there, but, you know, it's just a lot more effort. And when you say somebody flew in and beat you, they, I mean, how did they get in there ahead of you guys? They they flew a super cub in and landed in a, found a spot to land a super cub and um, went to one of our camps. There's evidence where they'd hung their meat on a tree and stuff like that. Oh, but, okay. I mean, it happens. There's yeah. people flying around, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it one year it happened lower down joe and i were on these huge rams and this plane comes and circles them and we i mean i know why and we know the sheep they killed but that's when you could do the same more of the same day fly in and that kind of thing and they went and landed as close as they could 
and they they like pitched a tent but they didn't sleep in it they just started hiking up the mountain and you know i don't know when they shot the sheep i don't i think dad or doug or somebody heard the shooting but and we just left because we knew they'd be in there with us with rifles yeah excuse the language it 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 used to be a lot worse because it was legal to kind of fly, land, like, let's say, at 10 o'clock at night, pop these rams, land, and then the next day, you know, if not same day airborne, they go up there and shoot the ram. Yeah. Where now, they can't, they can't go up all these little drainages. They have to just, you know, they, they can't scout out of the airplane. So I think it's made a big difference, and it's kind of a, I don't know if it's a statewide deal or not, but it's made a big difference. Yeah, and, and it, it, you wouldn't think about it. It's more due to daylight. You know, I mean, here, if you're, it's, you know, the it's not dark. So there's just a few hours they could do it. And, and now, I mean, the fact that you kind of got to, just being able to spot them and that kind of thing just makes it so much easier. You know, not that the airplane doesn't see them all. You know, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But this is a critter that crawls in holes. <laughs> I mean, they they crawl in holes. They they do. They they're they're a white critter. You you can look at many mountains and think. I mean, and I have dad as Doug as Joe as, and you think there's nothing there. But prime time, something pops out, and then there'll be another one. What's that you doing over there? Like, why is she here? <laughs> you know, or where'd that big old ram come from? They'll get in those holes and crevices because it's cooler and it's getting them out of the bugs, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like you can go up a drainage and there's nothing in it, and then 4 o'clock when they kind of get up and moving around, there's rams everywhere. Huh. You guys are hunting in September, right? No, it's August. August. I'm looking at some pictures from August 12th, so... Okay. We're basically leave on the sixth. Uh, season opens on the tenth, and we're you know stay for what to the twentieth or twenty second, something like that. At least ten more days, as long as possible. That works for yeah. everybody's schedule. <laughs> and most hunts you go on, you're kind of looking forward to getting home, seeing your wife, seeing your family, seeing whatever. Not this one. You're not ready to go home. <laughs> With the snow mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, and all the misery, you know, because, like, I'm looking here, and where we camp is this 20, 2,000 feet, let's say. And me and Doug walked above. This is the first time, you know, we ever climbed up there. And uh, I think we went up about 2,500 feet, and it takes a couple hours, three hours, you know. I figure, uh, for me, uh, thousand feet an hour is probably a thousand feet a half hour but anyway we get up there okay and and we're looking for sheep and this has been a lean hunt so far and it ends up being lean there ain't that many sheep around but finally doug looks way in the back of this drainage and here are two big full curl rams bedded kind of over the top and into the next basin to where all we can see is their horns and they're better than that and we figured that from there, to get to there would be at least three hours. And so we went along our, on our merry way, 
And, you know, I mean, it was a beautiful day. The sun's shining, the birds are singing, the flowers are blooming. It's unbelievable. I got lots of pictures and stuff. And we're taking pictures, and we're up about as far, far as we think we're going to go, about ready to start down, and we look over, and here's three sheep in a snowfield about half mile away. Well, it happened to be like a one-half curl and two three-quarter curl rams that were button heads, were trying to mount each other, all typical dominant behavior, which I dug no one, you know, that, that I know had ever seen that before. So that was pretty spectacular. And I did get, it's long range footage, but it is, it's not that bad. And hopefully I'll get some of it put together. But that made my trip right there. Amazing. Now, do they rut in November? When, when is the rut for these animals? I, I believe it is November. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, yeah. It'd be pretty tough to be there in November and live. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, because there's no wood. I mean, if you had wood, it'd be easy. But there's no wood. It's so, it's a it's like a willow is all that's so, there. It's not good fuel. So the you'd have to bring in fuel, which so is problematic. The cheaper in bachelor groups, then is that what I'm picking up? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of singles because it's so vast and huge a country, you know, not necessarily miles wide, but topography wise too, you know. But their their travel corridors are a lot shorter than ours because they they can use the top of the mountain and they're designed for it, you know. So a day for us is fifteen minutes for them, you know, in that their country. But it's not like they move around a lot, you know. If they got no, re- if they got everything they need, which they pretty much do, where you find them, they pretty much have what they need. So they so, don't, they don't have to move far. Probably a stupid question, but are there mountain goats in this country? Are there bears in this country, or are they kind of isolated? Is it just the doll sheep? No, there, there's, there's no mountain goats, but there is, there is a grizzly bear there, um, and there's wolves there. And they okay. they predate on them. I think the grizzly bears are probably more of a scavenger in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they may, you know, learn yeah. some way. Some Oppor- certain bears have probably figured out how to eat sheep. Yeah, opportunities. Sure sheep. Right. Yeah. And they're smart critter. And um, yeah. So they they got that predation, and that bumps them around for sure. There was a one of my first sheep hunts that that. Uh, well, Joe's dad, Ray, uh, Ray Stallmaster watched a, a sheep get chased across the mountain by a wolf. So, big old ram. But, and there was no sheep in the cover we were hunting. There was another grizzly bear in there we ended up shooting. But, so, yeah, uh, that, that know, place had a, plenty of predators. But anyway. What's a typical day? This is the first year we didn't see a grizzly bear. What's a typical day look like when you guys get up? Do you get up? We didn't. Go go hike to a knob and glass? Are you glassing from camp and then moving if you don't see any? What's a typical day? We don't, we've never been sheep hunting, so. (laughs) Well, it's, your body is in so much pain that you, it's, you get slow going, okay? 
and part of that is like you're sitting you don't have your lounge chair to sit in or your camp chair or whatever right you had to pack everything on your back so you're living on the ground and you're sleeping on the ground and you're bones creek and all that stuff right so you, you gauge it what you're going to do that day you're like i feel so bad i ain't going to do nothing but then you then you end up starting to go and then then you end up getting to the top of the mountain sometime that night <laughs> and hoping that you see something and a lot of times you don't see nothing like i did a bunch of hikes this year and didn't see nothing and good cover i found them in before didn't find them do what i say it takes yote and joe about six days to where they slow down <laughs> yeah i bet and, and, I mean, and they'll, you're, they'll go you're... every day they'll go 25 3,000 feet plus they'll get 10 miles from camp I mean, they're average. Yeah, but I say I'm not gonna. I know, but anyway. <laughs> and so, Dick, you just accept that you're in slow motion the whole time, right? Well, you know, you, number one, we're counting on a sheep to eat. This is not a hunt where we're worried about any kind of trophies, okay? You have to shoot a full curl ram, but... We want cheap meat, and I don't want Yote to be slowed down by me. You know what I mean? So I turn him loose, and he <laughs> usually gets the job done, done as he does, in, in, in pretty short order. But uh, this year I had to help him a little bit. He's been <laughs> wore out. I mean, he was wore out because these guys weren't finding sheep. You know, there's definitely a die-off since we've been there last. And so he's wore out. Well, wait, wait, wait. On his, on well, wait. I did find the one, though. I mean, I found some just prior to you going into that, okay? I did okay. One, one hike. is the furthest the furthest hike ever, right, where you always can find sheep, but you right. can't kill them. I went and found those sheep. There's protected sheep there that were are huntable, and one was in this stellar stock, like this beautiful. I got pictures of him. He's like this, oh, he's just a dream ram. But he's too far, <laughs> and you die trying to get him out of there. So I did. I did find one in there, and I watched him for two hours, basically debating, and finally made the right decision. There was some some others that are also live in a basin you couldn't get get to. Um, you could have got them out, get them but out. you couldn't get to. Them. You got to worry about getting them well, out. Well, the one, the one side. Well, the one I, I could have got him. I couldn't have got him out, but I could have probably gone on him. But the other, yeah. the ones on the other side, I could have got him out, but there's no way I could have got on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. and they were, but yeah, every one of them was a was a nice legal ram, but I think five in total or something. Do you around, guys the one up, the one was so stellar. He's just so cool. I, I don't think he was even a full curl though. But he's definitely a legal ram. But he just went way wide. One of these he's just one that a sheep hunter's dreams are made of. At least this sheep hunter. Are they are they generally um uh what's the term? Are they broomed or not broomed? I mean how that full curl, what's legal? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, I'm, I'm a little confused in that. 
okay, so the 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 laws are that it has to be eight and a half years old or broomed on both sides or a full curl. Okay. Okay. And the full curl is, is the, if you're looking at that horn in, in the exact right direction, basically it, it forms a, a full circumference when okay. you're looking from the side. Yep. So basically if you were, if you were looking at him from the front, if you could take a broomstick or your bow and put it across him, a straight line across his, like through above his eyeballs and through his horn, if it crosses that plane, then you're right, pretty much good to go. So I'm assuming if they have but their the lamp tips is, on. Is like, yeah, and yeah. broomers are rad. Like, you don't see a lot of broomers. Okay, that was my question. That was my um, question. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd love to get an arrow in one of them. Almost did. Okay. Like a couple of years ago. But is yeah, that because they're like in that 10-year-old class, so they're older, so they're broomed, or how does that uh, work? Well, no, no. No, because there's some old ones that aren't broomed that it's, I think it, it's how, whether or not they can handle it blocking their eye. Okay. So it's a vision. I would think for him, it'd be more of a vision thing. And it's the particular ram goes, okay. And he starts to broom it off and he just keeps doing that behavior. Okay. So, yeah. And others, I mean, they might break one, you know, a tip off or whatever, but they, when I don't, he, broken way back so we got four 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 tags four hunters on the mountain with uh joe uh doug and you and your old man let's uh let's get into a little bit of maybe some where you guys got some stocks or found some legal animals to go after that's what i just was kind of saying (laughs) that's what i got into (laughs) okay sorry um yeah it was pretty slim we were at our base camp and it hauled all that stuff in. I was tired, so I kind of took that day off and went up valley, down valley and then up valley, okay, about three, four miles. I ran into a caribou, played around with it a lot, trying to get it, didn't get it. So the next day, yo, he's wore out, you know, and he's thinking about going up the mountain. I said, well, why don't you just hang out with me and we'll go around the mountain here and, you know, go up the bottom of this drainage and see if we see anything. Well... We didn't go 200 yards from camp, and I call it the Ptarmigan Mountain because I climbed it and right at the top with a ptarmigan. I look up there, and I see a white spot. So I sit down, I look at my binoculars, and it looked, it looked like a ram, but I couldn't tell what it was. And I showed Jody, so what would you end up going about two miles closer before we could tell it was legal? Yeah, well, we anyway, could but yeah, yeah, we couldn't tell. So anyway, we got below it, and of course, Yost always telling me to go get them, and I'm always thinking, well, I'd rather sit here in the low country and watch you do it. <laughs> and so he takes off, and here again, the snow mosquitoes. That day, I had to fight snow mosquitoes and wind. I mean, you got a lot of clothes on or whatever, and you got options, but sometimes you didn't bring enough or whatever. And so I was either miserable with the wind or I was miserable with the snow mosquitoes while Yotes, you know, stalking this ram. And I see this ram bed down just the wrong way because I know Yotes up there. And it's like I said, I'm just going to bug back to camp. I can see from there with the spot and scope. 
And so I leapt out of there, and then Joe can tell you what he did. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so Dad and I left camp there or whatever. Um, I told him that I'd spot him a caribou, and he told me he'd spot me a sheep. And he he definitely did win on the heading out of camp and spotting <laughs> that sheep right away. But um, anyway, so, yeah, when we got over there, I could – it was still hard from our angle to tell whether or not he was legal. But I, I had an inkling and, – and the, the hard part is is it's not that – biggest spotting scope it's hard with the wind to get everything lined up and all that and to get it to stay steady to where you can figure stuff out and especially you know it that far but anyway this mountain that this sheep is on i've i've made a few stocks on this mountain at sheep over the years because it's kind of in the middle of everything but it's it's really straight up and down like it's it's one of the nastiest ones there so but in the particular like cut that i'm going up i'd never been up that one before that i gotta go after this ram so i don't really know what i'm gonna get into and honestly it's probably good dad didn't go because when i got into the the nasty rocky stuff um that is like the the spine of between the two ridges that I got to separate myself from the the one that he's in. Um, that is like basically walled off. So I had to go. Not only did I have to climb all of that elevation, I had to get up in that top stuff and go back and forth up and down little shoots, trying to figure out a way to get to the other side where this ram is. Well. Through all that trial and error, I ended up going through a, a little crevicey hole deal that's almost, you know, kind of half death defined, but not that bad. Um, but on, only you'd only die because you'd be uh, you'd have broken limbs and stuff, and you're a long ways away. Like you wouldn't die right away, so it'd be worse. But so anyway, <laughs> um, one little spot like that, and I get around the mountain. And when I'm over there, I'm like, I ain't doing that again. Like, I gotta, so anyway, so I get over there and I pop out and here's the ram, like right below me. And he is like facing up the hill, but and he's bedded and no kind of stock. And I'm like, all right, no big deal. I I can wait him out. You know, I know I'm going to have to bounce around because of the snow mosquitoes and try to beat him off and that kind of thing. But I know he's going to get sick of them too and probably move around and I just got to hope he does something stupid. And so I, in my bouncing around, I'm trying to figure out a stock, you know, and of course I'm bouncing around behind the rocks. He can't see me or nothing. Um, but anyway, so the only way that I can make this stock is through another hole, but it's, it's not, it's just a, it's a crack through the rocks. And so I, I got to take my pack and my bow and put it all down through there. That's how skinny it is. So if you're claustrophobic at all, it wouldn't really work out. I didn't like it at all. But anyway, so I had to inch down through that rock crevice deal. Um, And once I was through that, then I'm behind this other big rock that gets me probably um, within, I don't know, 180 yards or something like that under 200 from the sheep, which is, is huge, you know, cause I'm trying to get as much ground as I can to where he can make a move. And I'm being able to do this while he's still bedded there. Well, when I get out of that spot, 
he gets up to feed and luckily he kind of goes below me out of sight. So I can inch down this mountain and on that part is like the cool part of the mountain. It'd be more of the more north facing side and there's still snow and stuff in there. So it's this real slippery jazz. And I can, I gotta, I gotta basically you be crunched into the mountain so that the sheep can't see me and slide down it on these slippery rocks. Now I'm not worried about making a lot of noise, but I, I don't want to yell cause I fell down and I hurt something. Right. So you got, you go really slow. And so I, I keep inching down there. Well, then the ram moves to where he's out of sight again behind this rock. I can kind of get up and relax and all that. And I get into um, kind of this position and I, I, I'm debating which way to go around the rock. And I'm like, I think he's going to go back this way, come kind of towards me. So I keep going down and I get to this little spot. And as soon as I get there, it's about as far as I can get. Cause there's another like rock ledge and now the sheep's below me and he's probably 25 yards frontal to me. And he anyway goes and feeds behind another rock and comes up around um, on this little flat spot and keeps walking and he starts feeding and then he gets to a ledge and gets like totally frontal to me and goes underneath. Now he's like 10 yards. And when he, when he gets like out from underneath of the rock, I can see his whole head and everything. But the way I'm sitting there, um, when he kind of puts his head down to feed more, I can't really see that, but there's a, there's a crack and there's like a deal in the rock that I know if he, once he gets into that and he turns in the right spot, I got to shoot him cause he'll be broadside, right? At 10 yards. Well, so he, he keeps coming and he gets into that little opening and he goes to put his head down to feed, I think. And so I'm like, okay, now's my chance. And I shoot. And when I shoot the, the ram basically turns for the rock ledge. He wasn't going to feed. He was going to drop an elevation. And anyway, the arrow went in, into the ram and he bailed off the mountain and, and down around the corner. And, um, I recovered him. You saw the pictures. (laughs) So anyway, it's a lot of luck and a lot of persistence. And, and, and that's what, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the main thing is the persistence and being able to push your body enough just to forget about the pain you're in and, and just get it done. Cause there's, there is a lot in that, that endeavor. I don't, I don't know why I, I chose that critter to pursue as much as I, (laughs) I have. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you could have been hunting whitetails in your backyard, and you're up on some mountain well, miles from nowhere, worrying if you're going to fall. I think a lot of people don't understand when you talk about these things. We're like, well, if I fall here, I will die. If I fall here, well, I'll that, just break a couple not, legs. I, I'll still die, and it'll take me. My dad will have to drag me for thirty miles. That's crazy stuff, man. It's insane. Well, and that's the only. I'm not. I'm not trying to. Uh oh, I think we, we lost, lost him them. again. He hit his mute again. Who did? I think Yote did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Back. I do that sometimes, too. That happens. <laughs> uh, excited on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you what I think about the, what this sheep hunting is. Please For do. Me, 
For me, well, number one, there's a holy grail. There's no shortcuts. There's no calling them. There's no baiting them. There's no, you know, driving them. There's no shortcuts. So they're going to demand the ultimate out of you. And luckily, like I say, I was, you know, born here and raised here. And I've I've been bowling since I was 12. And all of a sudden, Yodi gets into this. And it's like, I'll go along. But I so hooked on wouldn't believe it. And I'm 65 now, and I'm saving up to go next in a couple of years. I'm looking at these pictures right now, and it's driving me crazy that I ain't up there. <laughs> I got a bunch of them going here, you know, to remember some of it. But it's it's a challenge. That's what bow hunting is. That's what bow hunting used to always be about. When Pope and Young went bow hunting, they didn't do it because they had an extra season. They did it because they wanted that extra challenge. When I took up bow hunting, and 90% of the guys that were bow hunting with me 40 years ago, 50 years ago, they wanted that challenge. You know, Montana had a lot of game. Man, you'd be done the first day on deer for sure. Might take you three or four to get an elk. So it was a challenge, and I don't know. Life's, life's a little more interesting if you got some challenges. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean... <laughs> It, that's what it's supposed to be all about, and that's definitely why bow hunting is such a special thing if you're doing it the right way because, you know, I mean, just growing up doing what I've done, you know, which isn't much, but sports and, you know, wrestling and firefighting and working jobs and doing all your things, there's there's that, uh, there's just nothing as satisfying as accomplishing, you know, I, I, I guess I just, people don't understand the work you put in, you know, just to start from shooting your bow, learning how to shoot a real bow well, and then you, all the time on the mountain and the time sitting there fighting off, you know, mosquitoes and thinking you're going to die and getting up early and hiking and shuttling your gear. And I mean, just most people just don't understand everything you put into it. And Yeah. Bow, bow hunting is... It was supposed to be where men were men and bows were bows. And now it's turned into something else, um, unfortunately. And there's hunting, and there's hunting the hard way. And you guys are hunting the hardest way when you go to that country and do that. I mean, what a great conversation. I really, this is awesome. Well, well the other thing is, you know, it's like the recurve, the longbow, to the... Uh, self-bow, to making your own self-bow and making your arrows and stuff like that. It's, it's such a long journey. And I had so much fun learning all that without the Internet and without a bunch of books and stuff, trial and error, same way building bows. I mean, now you can get on the Internet and build a bow the next day, whatever. And I don't know. I think a lot of these people are missing out by not experiencing that challenge we we experience yeah i mean even the arrows everybody talks about the bows but you know trad arrows matter i mean it's so easy to just pick up some some carbons from the pro shop and slap them together but there's a whole nother technical side to putting together some cedars or some furs or or or, or whatever your uh, flavor is um no, it's just awesome hearing guys that are still doing it the hard way. It's so awesome. 
Did your guys' gear change at all? I, I mean, you alluded to a three-pound bag versus a five-pound bag, um, a lot of uh, shuttling. Can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to get this gear that deep? It sounds like you guys are going, what, 20-some, 30-some miles in, which is unheard of. Um, and I know we covered that a little bit in the beginning, but uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that, that heartache. Um. I guess I'll talk about it. We got um, Seek Outside to make us some big packs. He ended, he's calling us the Brooks. And we were kind of field testing them. And they were pretty good. They had a couple little flaws that were pretty easy to remedy. But, I mean, this pack, you can get a bunch of stuff in it. And it's all dry. And it's waterproof and stuff. And so that's what, you know, we, we had four of them and... You know, a broken buckle or, or something is about all that happened. As far as gear, I wanted to drop that two pounds in bag weight, thinking a 20-degree bag would be fine. And it was fine because I brought Please note, I tried to talk him out of it. I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we should be taking I didn't. I'm not dropping on the sleeping bag weight. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, down and my down underwear, I was up back up to five pounds anyway. So. <laughs> so, so you're talking about your sleeping bag? You dropped it weight, not your okay backpack. Yeah, your sleeping bag. Yeah, and he right. brought he brought a lighter he brought a lighter sleeping bag, but a, a heavier down pants that he he wore in the sleeping bag. Oh, but okay. It, he was still he was still colder than he would have been if he would have brought his sleeping bag. Hey, that's good information because so. I've seen those down. I was wondering about that. I was thinking about down pants and if you could use a lighter sleeping bag, but that sounds like that might be a no go. No, it's pretty good. I would, I, yeah. I don't think that's a problem. Okay. Uh, the other thing no, is I, I like taking those down. Is what the thing is up because I can put it up under my rain gear. And hunker in and watch Yodi go stalk a sheep. Okay. Did, so did you say I, I got that down anyway? It's already part of the. Okay. The, and uh, Yo, did you say wool? No, not no. sheep hunting. The the thin the thin base layers for wearing, but not yeah. not like a coat. Right. Yeah. Too heavy. Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, Doug. Doug's always always wore some pants. Like, there's some. If you had a lightweight wool pant, I wouldn't be no, nothing opposed to that either. Uh, but it it it, they, it starts to gain weight. So if you you know, and when you're crossing streams and all that, I didn't. I'm not a big fan of that. Dad got me these Cabela's pants a while ago, and it's like they've been on a couple of sheep hunts, and then like fleece ones, stuff that can kind of dry quick. Okay. Um, and then I don't have down pants, but I definitely have a have a down tote that you take that's you know packable and all of that for. And you you pretty much, I mean, you got to have a lot of that stuff with you all the time. That other layer of clothing, so you got it in your pack, you know. Right. Are you using because it it's constantly changing. You're you need to you need to do your layering because whatever you're if you're real active, you don't need all that. You know, it needs to be in your pack. And then, right. but when you slow down or stop, if you're watching me go up the mountain, you're stopped. Or if once I get on the top of the mountain, I got to stop, you know, 
Um, so. Are you guys using a net for your head or a spray to, for these snow skeeters or any, <laughs> any protection there? Uh, I got long hair, and so I'd let my hair out, and I and or I'd put it in braids that I could hit it, like swat them, kind of like a horse does. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I, it, the. So my my long hair was huge on the snow mosquitoes as far as them not getting on my neck and that sort of thing. Um, but I did borrow every now and then. Dad would like skimp and give us all a shot of um, snow mosquito spray. But um, yeah, sometimes you just you you gotta. It's like a lot of things though, and and we we weren't prepared. Had we did have some nets, like I had nets we used for hanging over meat and that sort of thing, um, which came in handy for that. Like one spot that I was waiting on a portage, I I put that big net over top of me and over top my pack and all that, and sat there. So but, f- finding um, success with with so, the one ram, how much did you guys eat before packing it out? Uh, I think in Lewis and Clark's journal here again that those guys ate about six or nine pounds. It was nine pounds of meat a day. I will guarantee you that Yoni will eat that much sheep meat. <laughs> and, the, and the ribs go first, right? Well, no, no, you wait on those because they, they, uh, they got to go last or they're... Yeah, we, we yeah, ate them in trouble. You gotta pack trip the night before the plane's supposed to come in and get us is when Doug cooks those. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and if you like, yeah, we, we probably didn't need as much, though, because we, we had to head out and we're moving so much, moving camp so much, we didn't get to eat as much of it out there as normal. Uh, you alluded to uh, spotting a goat. For your old man and him spotting a caribou for you, is there caribou in that country? Did you guys run into caribou? Okay, well, for me, a goat—it's like saying it's that's kind of like a cuss word. <laughs> a sheep, a sheep, a sheep. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. A sheep, oh, a sheep, a goat, man, they ain't good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, okay. Goats, goats are a cool critter. They're an awesome critter, but they don't taste good to me. Now, like the flavor of them. Now, them really? like their mouth watering. It's it's all about the food deal. It has nothing to do about the puny little horns on the goats. It's all about they don't taste very good. Really? But them sheep are. Yeah. Dang, me, I ate some. I don't know. I I, I had might. some. Yeah, I had some sheep from BC this year. Uh, friend some of mine goat. got some goat. I'm getting it all backwards. I got some goat. <laughs> shit together, James. Amazing. Get your shit together. <laughs> Jeez, I'm telling you, goat sheep. They're white. They're both white. And they live way up there. They'll never get to hunt either of them. <laughs> oh, I I only said it for the comic value. So thanks, oh, guys. I like it. I love it. Uh, but yeah, that Dude, go- you guys. You guys do this every other year because this is grueling and it takes a lot of planning. So it's an every year adventure by talking to you guys. Do you ever just want to be like, screw it, we're going to do it every year? Or I mean, how is how does that go for you guys mentally and physically? We just started. I, I'd love to go every year. Huh? Well, when we started, it was who knows what? <laughs> how long ago did we start? How many sheep hunts is it now? Nine or ten, there. Yeah, but there was three in a row. 
I know that the first, oh, wow. the first three. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. Well, it's kind of like we go on these things, like you're talking about the pain and I mean, I can only imagine, but that pain must feel so good once you're back home thinking about it. I mean, it sucks, right? While you're in the moment, but it must feel so good now talking about it. I tell yeah, you what, you don't, you don't, you don't end up thinking about scale. it. You end- Sorry, what I was saying was uh, what feels good is when you step on the scale and see you've lost 10 pounds. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I can't stand to lose it, though, is the trouble. <laughs> I wish I had your problem. <laughs> so what's your guys' plans? Then i got to go right into What's your guys' plans hey, hey, for... Hey, we haven't talked about Yogi's whitetail this year. Oh, yeah, that's right. You kill a big old whitetail. Yeah, and I'd also okay. like... We, we talked about bows, but I'd really like to talk a little bit about arrows, everybody's arrows set up and broadheads, because that... It seems to get skipped by a lot, and I, I'm really into the arrows. So if you guys could maybe wouldn't mind talking about the four of your guys' arrow setup, I would really love to hear about that. Okay, I'll, I, I want to talk about sheep horn bows, not arrows. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> there you go. We're just I mean, getting ready to well, bring up the sheep horn bow. 36 inches long, two layers of sinew. It's beautiful, but we can't figure out how to string it. Oh, so you guys have been putting some work in, huh? Yeah, it has. We've been building on this sheep horn bow for years. So yeah. Anyway, the the arrows. I sorry, James. I I didn't mean to. No, you're um, good. The arrows is a good point. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about the arrows. Dad was schooling me on some of that weight forwardy stuff. This this evening or earlier today, so he'd be better to talk about arrows. But well, well yo, you um, you have it, I know from looking at your pictures, you have like five different arrows in your quiver. I know we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast we did with you, but we know where you stand. You just shoot whichever ones shoot good for you. So uh, yeah, maybe we should talk to your dad probably. I keep telling you guys, we're in it for the challenge. That's why you always got to shoot those different arrows. <laughs> uh, Tell us about the business end, Dick. That's like his handicap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Basically, the old guys are shooting wood. Um, Ricky, Eclipse, Broadheads, old standard stuff. That's some beautiful arrows by D&M Arrows. Um, yep, yep, beautiful. Yeah, he does an unbelievable job. I've traded him bow for like four or five dozen already, and man, they're nice. So anyway, I was packing them around. They were good in the pictures. Of course, that they were red, white, and blue. I was, I was calling them my Trump arrows. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, and I like to say, Doug is—he keeps coming up with these arrows that look like older custom kings. And um, Joe, I think doesn't Joe is shooting grizz sticks? I think. I mean, well, not only were they different arrows, they were made out of different material. I think he had two wood, a carbon, and maybe one aluminum or something. <laughs> that's what—that's what we call keeping it trad. Yeah. Uh, I love it. 
That's good uh-huh, stuff. That's so let's let's so let's talk about your whitetail hunt this year, yo. For sure, definitely. Whitetails are boring. <laughs> I know they're not the the great wild sheep, but you have to have to come back to reality every once in a while. Come home, hang out with the family, and hunt some whitetails and. The great state of Montana, which is what <laughs> well, most people that, dream about. That's but. the trouble, though. That's the trouble with this year's whitetail, though. Usually, like, there'll be a big buck around or two that I'm, I'm like, hunting. And last season, I hunted this buck, like, all fall long and on the other side of the ranch. And he showed up there first with with the buck that yana ended up killing last year that great big buck but anyway that other buck was elsewhere closer to the house i was hunting this big one on the far side of the ranch okay hunted him all season had a couple close encounters i think i might have missed a long shot at him or two um but anyway like didn't didn't get him killed ended up shooting a little four-pointer right at the end of the season so, so but no one to, that one interrupt, was still but... alive right I don't want to interrupt, but so your sister killed a bigger buck than you last year. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's save that story yeah. because we're going to have to get her on to yeah, get that yeah, story. Sure. But anyway. Yeah, you definitely need to. She, she, I'm pretty proud of her. She's a pretty dedicated hunter. She went, I don't know how many days she hunted, never slept in one on these elk, and she's pretty dedicated. And All right. We're, we're bringing her on. We're bringing her on, Dick. Let's just let's just leave that under the table. We're gonna bring her on. Let's get back to Yotes Whitetail. Yana is a good shit. You'd have fun talking to her. We're looking forward to it. So, yeah. Anyway, what was I? Whitetail last year. Whitetails. Yep. Okay, so You're this big buck. buck this master, big buck. Yeah. Yeah. This buck survived the the winter, I think. You know. So I'm I'm wondering, but I came back and I told Dad I'm I'm shooting whatever I don't care, I'm not I'm gonna shoot whatever I'm not I don't want to sit tree stands this year because that like I said I sat last year and I get sick of sitting. So anyway, so this year, um, I never saw him, never saw him, and all of a sudden, like right here by the house, that that buck shows up here. And so I don't know, was it two nights and that, yeah, we did. I mean, we saw him one night and I think I sat there the next night I went and sat and that's the night he ended up coming out and, um, I ended up shooting him. Okay. So he ended up, you know, coming out of the bushes. I had a one buck bedded in front of me that was messing with some of the does in the field. And then this one comes out and he's chasing the doe around and it just ended up, you know, classic whitetail story. You wait for the doe to come by and then you're going to get to shoot at the buck. Right. Well, that's what happened. Um, anyway, you come in there and I had to, I had to be a course, you know, and I, I mean, like, as a lot of guys know, they never come on the side of you that you you want him to you know like okay he's gonna come right through here and all that okay that's where you got the stand set up for the trail and all that jazz that never works right especially in the rut because the doe she goes over on the other side of the tree right well luckily in this stand it's got some cover so i could turn all the way around in the stand you know like you do when they're like 20 yards away so i ended up doing that whole deal and there's a little v in the crotch of the tree that i can a hole i can shoot through and if I, you know, when the buck comes through that hole, I'm going to shoot through it. 
and I mean, I'm not debating, you know, whether or not I'm going to shoot through. I'm just, when he does, I'm gonna, you know, I, I knew I, you know, whether he stops or who knows, but anyway, so he comes through the B and I shot him and he run off. Right. I didn't think I got enough penetration, but it, it anyway, it ended up working really well. Um, he did not go far. And that's why I thought that it wasn't as good as it was. Cause he, he went out of sight too soon anyway. But, um, yeah, dead, dead deer, but the, he was a really nice buck, but the moral of the story is, is this, it ends up, it's not the buck that I was chasing at all. <laughs> um, this buck, once I got his head all scun out and everything, he's like a, he's a five and a half year old deer. And the, 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 the buck I was chasing last year was, was a whole, was, is a lot older deer. Oh. Um, just no from him being around and I mean, there's no, and then he, he ended up showing up later in the season. I think when was it dad right there at Thanksgiving? I think it was Thanksgiving day or something that buck yeah, ended up be, showing up here. Of course. Close to the house again. And, yeah. So anyway, the, the, they're, they're real close cookie cutter. So it's kind of a shame I killed the younger one. He could have probably what would have happened is he just would have got a little more mass. Um, they don't they don't do much in Fergus County as far as deer, but they are fun to hunt and I didn't they're just fun to the chess game is fun, but I didn't yeah. didn't have to sit much this year. Nice. It it worked out. And were you you were shooting a koi yeah. wolf on that one, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. Um that yeah, it's a sweet bow. I really like that little bow. It's I don't know. It's light, and it, they're just—it's a smooth drawing bow. It is—it's real nice for tree stands because it's cold, and you know, um, yeah. I don't. That's better for hunting whitetails, anyway. Heck yeah, that's awesome, man. What a year! I saw the uh, the picture on your Instagram of the your sheep mount. Your what do you got? A little sheep tree or something there with the one full size, and there's three three euros on there is that right yeah i got a half mount of my first sheep and then i put the the other three on oh, that okay. post it's yeah, an old looks, old osage post that looks awesome yeah so so cool yeah it is pretty cool i i was thinking about mounting that last one but i'm not i'm not into the mounts that much i kind of just like the skulls and then if i i don't know somewhere down the road if i need to i can maybe make a sheep horn bow out of them <laughs> I mean, that'd yeah. be cool. Kill, kill a ram with another ram from the same area as horns. Yeah, we did a podcast. <laughs> we did a podcast with uh, Jim Akinson, and he got real big into the uh, history of the sheep eater Indians. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, yeah. We talked to Dick about this on the last about podcast. That. Also, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's and so been, cool. Yeah, that's what he's saying. They've been working on that one. Sounds like Yotes got it done. They just uh, they just got to string it up. <laughs> it's it's real real close. We're not quite yeah, but it, it's real close. I think he muted himself again. Jim <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, muted again. That was that was stellar stuff. Stuff. <laughs> What what was that dick about Jim? Jim Atkinson gave Yodi the horns, a big horn sheep, five years ago, six years ago, that that he's got this bow about ready to string out of. They came from Jim Atkinson. Oh, Very cool. cool. 
that's very awesome. cool. Okay, thank you, Dad. That's what I was trying to say when I muted. Was <laughs> okay. I was trying to thank Jim for those horns. So yeah, very um, cool. Yeah, Jim's a yeah. Awesome it's pretty guy. neat. It's been yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So, so there's uh, there's sinew from uh, Larry Fisher shot a moose, and so we use backstrap sinew from his moose in there. Very um, cool. No, a lot of lot of good medicine going into that bow. So yeah, awesome mojo. So what's what's uh, the big find plans? Is a six year old that can pull a seventy five pound bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, when we were working on it, I told Dad, I'm like, well, now I need a horse that I can ride up to a buffalo with so I can yes. ride it out. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, you're talking me in Bob's language yeah. now. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> so what, uh, what else do you guys got planned for 2019 as far as bow building, hunting, uh, the trad quest? Uh, tell us. Oh, boy. I try not to plan ahead at all. Good. One day at a time. One day at a time. I don't like to be committed. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I'm going to build some bows. Yoke's going to fish. Um, I, just, again, I, like I don't it. know. Yeah, that sounds great. That's that sounds great. Plan. I think I'm thinking about going on an elk hunt with Mark V. Wick down in Wyoming. Now, it sounds crazy for a Montana boy to be going hunting elk in Wyoming, but I think we can get a more quality hunt there. I've I've been hearing good things about Wyoming. I shouldn't have said that out loud, but yeah. All the crossbow guys got that state. Got I hope they can shut that down. I think they're trying. Yeah, uh, and Yotes talking about finding some warmer weather. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, go. I'm gonna go down you tell me you don't like to ice fish. You don't like to ski. It's like all of a sudden he's a, a snowbird. <laughs> At a young age. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to get a jump on stuff. So you you guys come up with something to do. Like, I mean, what do you do after you kill four dollar sheep with a longbow? Right? You kill five. Uh, what's, the, what's the next yeah. epiphany there? Well, uh, I'm, I'm the getting sheep tired of the sheep. I, yeah. The well, sheep I don't know. No, I, I want to go. It. I want to go kill one of them goats. A goat. Oh, the G word. That's, that's G word. Oh no! He didn't say it. He didn't say it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I just, but, uh, but do you know anybody that wants the meat? I do. We'll take it. We'll meat. take it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I I like domestic goat, and then when I tried uh, I tried those wild goats. I love it. Absolutely. I actually really like it. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll eat it on the mountain, but I just I I won't eat it out of the freezer. I just don't want it out of the freezer, you know. So man, um, yeah, I got a goat story. Makes it. I like a goat story. All right, first year I got my sheep. I don't know, two thousand six, something like that. We were up there, and we didn't have the rafts that Jody come up with later. We had to pack every all of our gear plus two sheep, plus their capes, plus their horns out. And it was rather taxing on the body to where both of us could barely walk when we got home. Well, I just happened to have drawn a, a goat permit for down around Yellowstone Park, you know, applied for a million years and get it the same year I planned the sheep hunt. 
So I rested up a week, but I wanted to get down there and, you know, kind of get after it because it supposedly could get a lot of snow in the high country and, and you know, it'd be tough to get in there. So ended up going in there. I think I missed one Billy, and then I had Billy Lewis and Yo right behind me, Packers, I'm thinking, and... There was about a, what was it, maybe a, or she, a three-year-old goat or something. It wasn't very big, and it didn't have very long horns, maybe five, six inches. But that's, I mean, I waited a whole lifetime in Montana to shoot that goat, and you know what? It was pretty good eating. You just got to eat them young ones. <laughs> that's the key. That's the key, the young young females. Right. Yeah. So so the energy in, in nanny goat is not a cuss word. <laughs> yeah, young uh, nanny goat. Young nannies are They're always edible. good. Young <laughs> Everybody loves a young nanny. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Man, uh, yeah. I, I can't thank you guys enough for uh, joining us tonight. I, I've uh, had so much fun. Is there anything in closing that you guys would like to to leave to our peers? To leave to our uh, up-and-coming traditional bow hunters um, out there? Yeah, look to the future. What they have for your yeah. kids, you know? Get involved in an archery club. Uh, join Compton. I, I yeah, can't man. believe all my life I've waited for some organization to actually take the bull by the horns and try and represent traditional bow hunters. And it's never yeah, happened. Man. Yeah, man, and Compton you know, is that. It's okay to ask a fly fishing area to be fly fishing only. Why isn't it okay to ask for a bow area, a traditional bow area? That's I promise you. It. That's what we're. That's what we are doing. We are asking for that, not just in Oregon, but in all the states. And me and Bob and a big group of people uh, are looking to make that a thing. I promise you that, Dick. Cool. That's, that's something I could yeah. If you get yeah. more of a bigger movement as far as trout bow seasons yeah man absolutely it is a different it is a different animal it's an entirely different animal and the thing is is the general public like when you're out there and you're talking to them they they don't even realize it it exists and they they like instantly do understand the difference between a wheel bow and a traditional bow i mean the general public yeah they they but they it's all called a bow but they know what the difference is and 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 if you were to put it to the and that's what you need to base it to everybody if you're going to put it to everybody out there you know what what are they going to think you know you're no you're absolutely right the, i mean the, the, the general the public are going to go yeah you're right they, the they're on public, our side if you think about it the general public is on our side the, yeah, the, the, the masses is on the side of our traditional values they, they are show, yeah, and if you show them a muzzleloader and rifle, they might not know the difference, or even a fly rod to a spinning rib. But man, you show them a compound and a trad bow, and they're like, "That's a bow and arrow," and I'm not sure what that other thing is. That's what the general public says from when I ask them. It's, exactly. it's obvious. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so definitely. we and appreciate- they understand it's a different animal, and it's and and yeah, I, I think it, it it it's having to come to its its own. You know, yeah. I mean, and you, dad fought it his whole life with the everything. It's it, we need to go a different route. I think it's just more education to the the general public and be less 
less worried about them viewing hunting as such a bad thing because you, you put it in the light that we, the way we do it and, uh, and people understand it, mm-hmm. not the way that it's portrayed on TV with all these shows and all this stuff that you got to have the latest, greatest, everything. Well, it's just, yeah, if you come at it from that, the lower level, the back more to our roots, more of the primitive, this is, this is what we need and we need to preserve it and you preserve it in a season of traditional values or traditional, you know, I mean, if you got to limit the masses to say, I mean, what, if you, if you, if, if you got to limit the equipment, just, you could eliminate the seasons open, but you can't use your truck. Right. You know, I mean, how many people are going to stay home? And I think there's a lot of guys that want opportunity. And if we can convince them that going back to traditional equipment, we can have less controlled hunts. We can have more opportunity for everybody involved. I think a lot of guys will get behind it. And I think you guys hit the nail on the head when you brought up Compton. Compton Traditional. It's our national traditional bow hunting organization. Uh, they're the ones that are fighting for us. And uh, if you guys aren't a member, you guys need to become a member. If you guys are listening to this and, and you guys are behind this, uh, those are the guys uh, that you want to be a part of. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Heck yeah. And we've been, you know, here in Oregon, we're fighting for more of these seasons. And like I said, we're, we're expanding it to some other areas. And, and I can tell you too, yo, just from talking to, I mean, we've talked to a ton of biologists and they all know too. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. talking to the general, but they, they know something yeah. needs to and, be done. And- they know what's going on. And it's just, it's always this, you know, well, it's a big battle. It's a political thing. It's this and that, you know, people speaking up and, uh, and having the balls to, to say, Hey, this is different now. Like, look what has happened. Like that, that's all we're asking. We're not, we don't hate these people, but look what is going on. This is totally different. So you don't, you don't try to get something. You gotta be, it's all about the preservation and you gotta, yeah, you gotta yes. make it good for everybody. Yes. And your approach and, needs to be good for everybody. Even these Midwest guys with the whitetails, they're saying, yeah, we have a lot of deer. We have a lot of opportunity, but we have overcrowding in our seasons. So we want to create traditional only areas and zones for these Midwest guys to get away from the modern equipment and get them into an area where they can have a chance at hunting the way it's supposed to be uh, bow hunting, you know, low impact on the wildlife a chance at a, at a quality hunt. And, and we want to see that from the east to the west, everywhere. We want to make it a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and tell your, tell your biologists, yeah. tell your local organizations, get behind this, uh, you know, take a stand, you know, stand up, get some balls, and, uh, you know, stand up for this stuff because we want this to be around for our kids and our grandkids. And, you know, we love that you guys have that kind of uh, – uh, you, you know, that attitude towards this. I mean, that's why you are uh, who you guys are. We love it. We love it, man. The Robertson's rule. Well, we, we need some more guys with some balls out there because the guys with the balls are either dying or they're getting too tired to, to do it anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's been so, so green to my life. I'm, I'm wore out. <laughs> so you know, everyone but, out there, if you guys got questions about this conversation, send us an email. Uh, we're at tradquestpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, check us out on Instagram. Uh, go to, uh, see, you know, Dick's on there, Yotes on there. Send them a private message on Instagram. Tell them what you think. Uh, tell, tell everybody. I mean, this is, uh, this is the movement. People need to, uh, to stop sleeping on this and, uh, make your voice heard. We appreciate everybody. Thank you guys so much for doing this for us. Yep. And uh, just, uh, our goal with 2019 is we're hoping that, uh, we can, Get to some shoot or some event somewhere and do one of these in person with you guys. We'd love to meet you guys in person and actually sit down and uh, do one of these in That's person. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was going to ask. I was going to tell you, hey, we might. If you want to do this again, we're going to do it around a campfire. Yeah, that's what absolutely. I'm yeah, that's what we're yeah. saying. So, if you, yeah, if you want me, if you want me anywhere, it's got to be hunting or fishing. <laughs> something. So, if you listeners listening, make it happen for us. Uh, we talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. Um, support the podcast. We appreciate it. We're here for, uh, for everybody. We love all the hunters. Yeah. I, well, I want to come hunting in Oregon. I, I like Oregon. All right. Cool. Do you got, can you, I want to hunt them, uh, them Roosevelt elk sometime. I know that's I, harder, but. No, I'm your guy. Little I'm your guy. Deer. Yeah. We got, I got, we got both of those. I'm a coast guy. I'm a Roosevelt blacktail guy. I'd love to have you out. That's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Roosevelt Hunt with Yoat this year. I like it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, enjoy the sun, and we'll stay uh, in touch with you guys. And thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dick. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Good night, guys. You know, keep the wind in your face, pick a spot, and shoot straight. Frosty before the sun comes up, the geese are on the wing. The deer are fat and happy, no, they don't suspect the thing. Can't take it any longer, I've got to breathe some air. The only cure for what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads off by true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few.